Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast. Our mission of teaching people to love God by showing them how much He loves us starts right now. So church, two weeks ago, do you guys remember what two weeks ago you go, what was that? Remember it was Resurrection Sunday? It was Easter Sunday. And we celebrated like never before. It was such an amazing time. As a matter of fact, several people walked forward and dedicated their lives to Jesus right here. It was so cool. It was so cool. But if you recall, we learned some valuable lessons, valuable lessons on that day, right? And one of the lessons we learned, and you need to just get this inside your spirit, we learned that the same spirit that rose Jesus from the grave lives in us. Okay, that's a, that's a good place for an amen. Because the same spirit that rose Jesus from the grave lives in you. You're like, okay, I got it, I got it. That was a great lesson, right? It's called resurrection power. And we took to heart some of the just amazing applications, the benefits, if you will, from Jesus rising from it. And not only is our salvation, but there were some great benefits. And if you recall, here's what we talked about. We talked about number one, resurrection power means you are no longer a victim. You're a vic- you're no longer a victim. You're a victor. You're victorious. You no longer have to live in that victim mode because you have resurrection power. You win. You win, and we learned that, and we dissected that, and it was so amazing. But here's the problem, church. There are so many of us that still live in the victim mentality. Oh, woe is me. Oh, poor me. That's not you anymore. Because the same spirit that rose Jesus from the dead lives in you. That's the second thing we learned, Pastor. Well, two weeks ago, we learned that, guys, we don't have to play defense anymore, right? We play offense. We don't have to play defense anymore. Resurrection power means you were not meant to go back. You were meant to press forward. And that's what the enemy wants to do in your life. He wants to take you back. He wants to push you back and go, no, no, no. We're going to keep marching forward. We're going to keep marching forward. We learned that. That was so amazing. We also learned, guys, that we have the power to overcome obstacles in our lives, overcome oppositions. Those are always going to happen. When you're going to move forward, when you're in attack mode, when you say, listen, I'm going to move forward. I'm going to go with Jesus. I can't wait. I'm going to take my city The enemy goes, no, I'm going to put some oppositions, I'm going to put some obstacles, but what we learned is the resurrection power gives us that power to overcome those obstacles. It was amazing. We also learned, guys, that we took to heart the resurrection power means we have freedom. Freedom, and I think we take that for granted. You go, freedom from what? Resurrection power means we have freedom from the emptiness in a life. Emptiness. You see, that's something that nobody can see. It's inside. And you may be surrounded with all kinds of people, but you may feel empty inside. In the resurrection power, Jesus comes in and fills your heart. We learn that you have freedom in that. We also learn, guys, that we have freedom from guilt. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Right? Guilt. We all done, I mean, all the way from childhood. You guys know what I'm talking about? There's things you did that you felt guilty about that you had no idea. You just knew you felt guilty. For me, I'll never forget the fact that I don't know why 7-Eleven always put the candy at my level when I was a kid. This is their fault. And so I'd walk up to the counter as close as I could, and I'd smile at the clerk, and I'd grab me a candy, and I'd walk away. But I felt guilty. Ah, what am I going to do with that? Where'd you get that candy? I don't know. Found it. (laughs) All happy, right? It gives me freedom, guys. Freedom from that guilt. And you go, Ben, I never stole anything, but think about our lives. 
The resurrection power Jesus in you gives you just that freedom that you don't have to feel guilty anymore. That guilt is gone. You mean the things that I've done? Yeah. Yeah. We also learned, guys, think about this, and this is so key. We learned that the resurrection power means that there's freedom from the bondage of unforgiveness. You see, church, if we're going to talk reality, there are people who have hurt us in this life. And they've hurt us, and we are called to forgive them. And you might say, Pastor, I can't. You don't understand. That hurt is deep, and I don't want to open that wound. But, but, but here's the thing. The, the resurrection power gives you the freedom to at least take that step forward and say, Lord, maybe I can't, but you can in me. You can. You can forgive them. I don't want this bondage because, see, they're going about their business like nothing happens. You're the one that's in bondage. And what it does, guys, is unforgiveness creates bitterness inside you and ooh, ugliness. And that's not you. That's not how God created you. The world and, and people want to hurt you and, and, and hold you down and, and, and make you ugly. And you go, no, 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 I'm not going to do that. The resurrection power means I'm going, to, I'm going to be free from the bondage of that. You go, okay, I'm with you. It also gives us freedom, guys, from emotional pain. Emotional pains in life. There's things in our lives, guys, that emotionally it just, man, it just hurts. And, and, and God's resurrection power, Him living in me, can set me free from that. I don't have to hold on to that. There's a lot of things that happened to us when we were kids. There was a lot of things that happened to us when we were young teenagers. And we can let go of that because the emotion wants to hold you. And I say, Lord, I want to be free from that. I want to be free from that. The resurrection power also means that we have freedom, guys, from alcohol, freedom from anger, freedom from anxiety. But I don't think we tend to believe that. I saw a meme just this morning from one of my pastor's friends, and it said this. It said, some people don't want to be fixed because being broken to them gets some attention. I was like, you see, because the resurrection power wants to free us. It wants to free us from anxiety, and it wants to free us from, from, I mean, think about it, guys, from the anger. Sometimes you get so angry, and, and a lot of people, they, don't, they, they know they're broken, but they don't want to be fixed because being broken gets some attention. I'm here to tell you, Jesus can set you free from that. That's the resurrection power. And, of course, here's the biggest one, guys, and, and I think it's so key. The resurrection power, we learned two weeks ago that it, it frees us from loneliness, Loneliness. And see, loneliness is very interesting. It's, you, you can equate it to cancer. Well, Ben, it's not. No, it is the same thing because loneliness you can't see. You may be surrounded by family and friends and people all around you, but you might be loneliness, lonely inside and you're just going, man, I just I don't understand. And loneliness causes you to make bad choices. Loneliness does. Go back to your your, even your high school days or your junior high, all my friends have boyfriends. I want one too. All my friends, all my, you know what? All my guy friends have girlfriends. I want. And loneliness causes you to make a bad choice with somebody that you should have never been with in the first place. It's real. But we can go, hey, come on. Loneliness just means I got friends around me. I have friends around me, man. I can call Sister Melissa at any time. We, no, that's not what it means. It's deep inside. It's deep where you go, hey, you're alone. Nobody loves you. And Jesus died, and the resurrection power sets us free from that. You won't be lonely anymore. You won't be lonely anymore. So that's what we learned two weeks ago. 
We learn we have this resurrection power, right? We're super stoked. We walk out of here. We're high-fiving each other. Resurrection, amen. People got saved. It was amazing. But two weeks have gone by. Two Sundays. So my question to you, church, is um, how's it going? How's it going with that? You go, what do you mean, pastor? In other words, how's it going with your resurrection power? Huh? Listen, for many of us, something happens when we get back to regular life, okay? Sunday, we're doing the, you know, we're doing the dance, right? We're, whatever it is, I mean, we're just having a great time. Like my, my little granddaughter does the floss thing and she tries to show me, but that's how we are on Sunday. But then Monday comes and we're back to the same thing. We're not dancing anymore. We're not, we're just, oh, Monday, it's Monday. I have to go to school, I have to go to work. Oh. You know, we go back and I said, what, ha- what happens, what happens? Here's what happens, guys. We forget that the power of God is within us. And so, we, and so life goes back to the way it's always been. And so many times we forget that Jesus is really alive. And he's helping us, guys, in our walks every single day. Pastor, I've got a question. Why do we go back to this? Listen, I understand Sunday. Mm, we're having a great time. Praise the Lord. People getting saved. This is where resurrection is alive. And then Monday we're like, oh. How you doing, bro? Same old, same old. Different day. You were just excited. Yeah, oh, I know. I hate Mondays. I hate Mondays. Here's why. Here's why. Listen, listen. Many people, when Jesus died and they found the empty tomb, they thought he never really died, right? That he, he didn't really die. That they just, somebody just resuscitated him and then he was alive somewhere else. Right? And so they're like, oh, he was just resuscitated, not resurrected. No, but, but okay, reel that in, your life. Okay? So Sunday you're excited. Yes. Monday you're down, back to regular life. You have no resurrection power. Why? Because maybe you didn't understand resurrection. You simply thought your life needed resuscitation. You just needed to breathe in. You go, oh, I feel good. But then, because resuscitation does not sustain you, it has to be resurrection. You have to understand that. It has to be inside you, and you're like, oh, oh, I get, oh, I see, I see, I see. So in reality, when that happens, church, we continue living the same way until once again we're reminded that all we possess in the resurrection power. But I don't want to wait a year. I don't want to say, okay, coming next, next April, resurrect. We, we're reminded, guys. Listen to the way Paul puts it. In Romans chapter 8, verse 11, it says, the Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. Can I get an amen? Did you hear what Paul said? The Spirit of God who raised Christ from the dead lives in me. That's amazing. That's amazing. Where does Jesus live right now? Inside you. Where does the Spirit of God live? Inside you. That's what Paul says. That's what the Word of God says. And he says, just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies by the same Spirit living in you. And I say, hallelujah. That's amazing. Listen to Warren Wearsby. Pastor Warren Wearsby, bless his heart, passed away just a few days ago. He's in the presence of the Lord. He graduated. Amen. Listen to what he says. He says, the believer, that's me and you, okay? That's you and I. The believer can have two dispositions. He says two minds. He can lean toward the things of the flesh and be a carnal Christian. He says carnal means of the flesh. 
who is at enmity with God, meaning at war with God, or he can incline toward the things of the Spirit and be a spiritual Christian and enjoy life and peace. He says, the carnal mind cannot please God. Only the Spirit working and and through us can please God. You go, Pastor, what's the point? Your attention, please. Let's talk for just a moment. You see, as believers, we can walk with God in the flesh. Now, you shouldn't amen for that because that's not good. You see, we can be believers. We can follow Jesus. We can say we love Jesus, but we can also live very fleshly, very carnally. You guys with me? You guys know it, right? Don't you hate when that happens, when that ugly flesh rears its head and says, I want what I want, and you're like, no. That's what he says. He says, that could happen. That could happen. He says, when we incline everything to the flesh, we also know that the carnal mind doesn't please God. And so I guess you can say that if we lean towards the flesh in our lives, we're not walking in that resurrection power. You go, well, what happens? Well, what happens is how, how, do you, how do you wake up in the morning? Well, Pastor, I get up like anybody else. No, no, no. Here's the thing. You, you, alarm goes off, right? And you slam it down a couple times or whatever it might be. But here's the thing. is the first thing you say, Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Help me to do what you want me to do. Help me to put on the full armor of God. Help me to be spiritual, not carnal. Or do we get up and walk towards the coffee pot like this? And your wife says, good morning. You're like, Ugh. What's the first thing we do? What's the first thing we do? And that's what I'm talking about. That's what I'm talking about, guys. If we lean towards the flesh, right? What's the first thing you think of? Oh, it's whatever day it might be, right? Except for Friday. Yeah, it's Friday. I'm off, right? But, but, but Monday. Oh, it's Monday. Oh, I really don't like my boss. That coworker's really got me. Ah, ah, ah. Give me coffee. Don't talk to me till I have my coffee. I have a coffee. See it right here? Don't talk to me till it's right there. Or we can walk in the Spirit, right? In the Spirit, we can say, Lord, I love you. Fill me with your Spirit this morning. I want to incline my, my eyes and my, my heart towards you. Anybody know what I'm talking about? That, yeah, that's, that's exactly what it is, right? Now, here's the difference. I want to walk in resurrection power, right? I want to walk in the Spirit, and in the spiritual, I want to have peace and enjoy life. That's what I want. You go, well, Pastor, why do you bring that up? Well, I bring it up because God in his great mercy, he knows us so well. He knows the highs that we have. Woohoo! Resurrection Sunday, Pastor preached a message. You wouldn't believe that. Yeah! All right, so we go out, we have lunch with family. It's amazing. I mean, that day was unbelievable. But then Monday comes and Tuesday, now we're two weeks later, and what God says is, I know your heart, so what I'm going to do, instead of ending the story there, I need to give you two more chapters. I need to give you chapter 20 and chapter 21. And you go, Pastor, why would he give us that? Because God is so good to us. He wants to take two extra chapters to remind us that Jesus is still alive. It didn't end. The story didn't end. And what he does is he gives us proof positive so we can continue to have life and joy and peace even after Resurrection Sunday was done. That's what he does. And so as we make our way through verses 11 through 18, we discover that Jesus is going to appear to Mary Magdalene. But there's a strange twist 
to the story, and it has to do with their culture. Now, I want you to take notes because I want you to put this, it's, it's so important. Please allow me to tell you where we're going this morning. Throughout the four Gospels, after Jesus resurrected, he appeared ten times. Ten appearances after the resurrection. John, our beloved John, only gives us two. He's only going to tell us about Mary Magdalene at the tomb. He's going to tell us about the disciples minus Thomas. And then he's going to say, then I'm going to appear to Thomas or the disciples with Thomas. Okay, so only really two groups of people. Mary's not a group, but you understand where I'm going. But there was 10 overall. Okay, that's important. Okay, you go, why? Because if you're taking note, you can write this down somewhere in John chapter 20. Every appearance except for one was to believers. I found that interesting. Every appearance was to believers except for one. You go, which one, Pastor? In your mind, you're trying to go through. Well, that was found in Acts chapter 9 when Saul of Tarsus was walking down the Damascus Road and the resurrected Christ appeared to him. Saul at the point was not a believer, but he was a believer after that, wasn't he? But that's the only one. Everyone else were believers. Everyone else were believers. So Jesus showing himself to Mary, showing himself to disciples, was simply what God was saying is, I want to give you proof positive that he's alive. I want to, because let's just be honest. We're a lot like Thomas, aren't we? We, we, we can see something, and, and a couple of days later, we could doubt that he even saw it. We're just that way. And so God goes, I know you, so I'm going to make sure you don't forget. You don't forget. But there's a third group that's not in Scripture, but I, I see. You see, there's a, third, there's a third group that shows us proof positive that Jesus is alive. You go, what's that group? Well, you guessed it. Guys, it's you. It's believers. Man, I see Jesus every single day when I'm around you believers. I see Jesus. You go, what do you mean? Guys, think about this. Lives that have been so radically changed for God is proof positive that he's alive. Lives that are so changed. Why? Because we can't change ourselves. You guys know what I'm talking about, right? There were times in your life where you go, man, I don't like my life. I just need to change. I just need to go in a positive direction. I'm going to, that's it. I'm going to be positive the rest of the day. And that lasts for about two hours. And the old you comes in and somebody steals your lunch at work and then you're not positive anymore because it's only Jesus. And if you, and if you share your testimony, you know, man, you, you should have seen my life. You wouldn't believe it. Oh, oh, I wanted to change. I just couldn't. I just couldn't. Oh, I, I tried. Man. You see, it's only Jesus that can change. And when I see Jesus and I hear of your testimonies, Oh, there is a God. There is a God. Because I know what kind of person you were. You know what kind of person I was. I mean, God takes this, the, the most craziest down and outers, messed up, strangies in the world, and he saves them. And then we sit at church together and we're brothers and sisters. We're family. Isn't that crazy? Because you would look around you go, I probably wouldn't be friends with any of these people if it wasn't for Jesus. <laughs> Just me? Right? He brings us all together in church, and he's like, hey, get along. And we're like, amen. And we're hugging people we normally don't hug, and guys are hugging, which they don't hug. 
That's Jesus. And so it's, I see that. I see that. He's alive because I see it in you. I see it in you. I see your love for God, and I know he's alive. So with that, let's look at our text, guys. Let's go back to verse 1, and we're just going to read it so we get a good run and go, and then we'll jump to verse 11. So John chapter 20, verse 1 says, Now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene, who went to the tomb early, while it was still dark, saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. And she ran and came to Simon Peter and to the other disciple whom Jesus loved and said to them, They have taken away the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they've laid him. Peter therefore went out and the other disciple and were going to the tomb. So both ran together. The other disciple outran Peter and came to the tomb first. He stopped, stooping down, looking in, saw that linen clothes lying there, and he didn't go in. Then Simon Peter came following and went straight into the tomb. And he saw the linen cloths lying there and the handkerchief that had been around his head, not lying with the linen cloths, but folded together in a place by itself. Then the other disciple who came to the tomb first went in also, and he saw and believed. For they did not know the scripture that he must rise again from the dead. Look at verse 10. Then the disciples went again to their own homes. Now, your attention, please. I want to make one comment on here of the culture so you can understand, prove positive that Jesus is alive. You go, what's that? Look at verse 7. It says, the handkerchief that had been around his head, not lying with the clothes, but folded together in a place by itself. At first read, you go, I don't even know what that means. So they went and looked in the tomb, and there was the clothes, and there was the shroud, and here was a napkin that was on his head folded real pretty. That doesn't mean anything to me. Why, in our culture, it doesn't mean anything to us, does it? There's a folded napkin. In their culture, it's something different. It's something different, right? You go, what do you mean? Okay. Kevin and Feathers, a lovely couple, back in that culture, decide to invite me and Natalie over for dinner. And they said, hey, come on over. We want to have fellowship with you. We want to just have a great dinner. I'm cooking my most famous dish you can imagine. So Natalie and I say, amen, we'll be there. What time? She says, 6 o'clock. There we go. We're there at 545 because we're hungry. And we drive up to Kevin and Feathers, and we welcome. They welcome us, and they hug us. Welcome. Come on in. Take off your shoes. Just enjoy. They just love us. And then when dinner comes, Feathers comes out and she puts it down and everything. And that's just the most wonderful dish you could imagine. At the end of supper, in this culture, if we were pleased, we take the napkin she gave us and we bundle it up and we put it on the plate. We'd scrunch it up, boom. That told Feathers, as my host, that was amazing. We felt so welcome. We felt so welcome. And we'd come back if you ask us. That's what it meant. You're like, really? If I took, if, if we went in and, and Kevin looked at me and went, hey, what up? You know, whatever. And we felt like we weren't welcome. I would take that napkin and I would fold it real nice and neat. And that would indicate to my host and hostess, we didn't feel welcome. We're not coming back. You guys with me? That was their culture. Our culture, we don't ever fold it. If we did, we do opposite. If we, if we enjoyed the meal, we put our napkin real nice and neat. We're polite that way, but this was culturally. Now, go back to the text, okay? What's Jesus saying? What's Jesus saying? Jesus said, listen, when you came and saw me, there was the handkerchief folded by itself. What happened was, as he was telling us, guys, I didn't feel welcome. I came and you didn't receive me. 
I created you and you left me out in the cold. You killed me. And it was like, wow. Why do you think John wrote that? Because he wanted to remind us. He's like, look, look. The second thing Jesus indicated by this was also saying that I'm not never coming back to the grave again. When Jesus said it was finished, guys, that was salvation for everyone. That was it, right? Now, I know what you're thinking because y'all are, y'all are pretty smart. You were thinking, you know, Pastor, I know back in the resurrection, I know in this day, I know that there was oftentimes called grave robbers. There would be people who would rob graves to steal whatever they could. And so when they would, oh, they would move a tomb, specifically really early, and when someone died, they would just take their stuff. A grave robber, okay, so here's the thing. We, we eliminate that, okay? We eliminate that, that somebody robbed the grave and took Jesus away because a grave robber would never fold a napkin. They usually ransack everything. You guys know what I'm talking about? It's kind of like when they break in your house, right? They don't make your bed. Can you imagine they break in your house and they're like, oh, these guys are messy. Let's tidy up for them before we take their jewelry. Nobody ever does that, right? What do they do? They ransack everything. You know when you're being robbed because everything's out in the open. And with the napkin being folded there was proof positive it wasn't a grave robber. And he literally resurrected. You're like, whoa, I didn't even catch that. Yeah, that's amazing. So proof positive that Jesus is alive, guys, never to die a lonely sinner's death again. What does that mean to you? When you put your faith in trust, you're never to die a lonely sinner's death again. And that Jesus will come and say, hey, you ready to go home? I think so. Let's go. And you and I, we see there, oh, my, you know, we hurt and we cry and we're pain and it, and it does. But, but for the believer, he's home. He's home. It's super, it's super amazing. But the Bible says in verse 10, everybody went home. They're like, huh, not there. All right, let's go meet you at Starbucks, get some coffee. You know, I mean, they're going home, except for Mary. Check it out, verse 11. But Mary stood outside the tomb weeping, and she wept. As she wept, she stooped down and she looked into the tomb. Now, I love verse 11. Why? I love because Mary's just like one of us. You go, what do you mean? She's looked in the tomb before. Okay, she's looked in. She realized it. She runs to the disciples, and when she comes back, she looks in again. And I think, isn't that just like us? Why? I think Mary's thinking, maybe I missed something. Maybe I didn't see. Maybe my eyes were blurry. Maybe he's there. Maybe the, right? And so she looks in again, and I thought, that's just like me. That's just like you. you know, have you ever lost anything? Have you ever lost anything that you looked in the same place six times? You know, I mean, it's like, it's like if you lose your wallet, right? And you think, I lost that in my pants. Maybe it's in the, maybe it's in the hamper. For those of you who don't know what a hamper is, it's where the dirty clothes go. Not on the chair. On the floor. <laughs> it's not on the floor. Kevin, thank you. Um, but the hamper, so you go in the hamper and you pull all the dirty clothes out and you're throwing it and you go, man, I lost my wallet. I lost it. And then you, you go, no, okay, it's not there. It's not in those pants. What did I do with it? I don't know. Maybe I ought to check the hamper again. You know, you go back because you just don't know. That's ex- I think that's what she's doing. She's like, maybe I missed something. He's not there. He's not there. 
So she keeps looking, and I find it, I find it interesting because that's just like us. But my question is to you, why is Mary still at the tomb, and why is she weeping? Why is she still there? That's because of who she is. What do you mean, Pastor? If you recall, Mary is a lot like us. You go, what do you mean? Mary at one point in her life was a lost soul tormented by demons. She was a really dark place in her life, and Jesus came to her rescue. Man, he cast out the demons, and Mary became one of, her, one of his disciples. One of his disciples. See, y'all don't get it. Oftentimes we think of disciples, we think just the 12. There were women who were following him. They were serving him. There were, there were women who were disciples. It was amazing, and Mary was one of them. Why? Why is she still there? Guys, I guess you could say her life was radically changed by Jesus. Her life was radically changed by Jesus. So she's there, and she's weeping. Now, I love the word weeping because I think she was, she was you know what ugly cry is? Ugly cry with snot coming out and mascara running all over the place. And like, I mean, this was like, ah! I think that's what she is, but we'll get to that in a minute. So verse 12, she saw two angels in white sitting, one at the head and the other at the feet, where the body of Jesus was laying. You guys with me? And they said to her, these are the angels, woman, why are you weeping? And she said, now you can imagine, because, they, you know, they have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they've laid him. That's the dialogue between them and the angels. But this is an amazing verse. Why? You ever wonder why John just gives us the position of the angels? Like, why didn't he just say, hey, she looked in, there were some angels. He gives us position of the angels. Where are they? There's one at the feet and one at the head. John tells us that. Why? I said, guys, listen, listen, listen. We can learn something amazing from these angels. You ready? You ready to learn something today? We must, as believers, take the position of humility. You go, what do you mean? Notice the angels weren't fighting about who gets to sit at the head and why do I have to sit at the feet? It's like, wow. Listen to me. They were both honored to do what God had called them to do. You see, God has gifted every one of us, and he says, man, this is what I've called you to do. But you and I, guys, we get in trouble when we want to be the mouthpiece. When we sit sit and go, why does he get to preach? Or why does he get to do that? Or why do they get to play? Or why do they get to sing? And you're going, but listen, God called you to be more of this hands and feet, not so much a voice. We're all part of the body of Christ. Right? We're all part of the body of Christ. And that happens to pastors too. Why is, why is my church so small and they're so big? I'm a better preacher than he is. No, we have to be honored, guys, right here. Honored. Listen. Listen what he's saying. Here's my thought. You ready? We lose it when we get envy. This angel's not going, I should be at the head. Why do I get, you know, Jesus, tell him. He's like, listen, I'm honored to sit at the feet of Jesus. I'm honored to sit at the feet of Jesus. And here's my thought. You ready for what? We need to run. You need to run your race and stay in your lane. Have you ever run a race? Did you ever do track in high school or junior high? You know, and you, you know, all, those of us that couldn't jump very high or anything, we had to do the 440. And that was when they put everybody you had nothing to do into the race. And then there was about 80 of us trying to run around four times. You had to stay in your lane. If you started looking and wondering what he was doing or what shoes he was wearing, you often would get tripped up. And it's the same in life. He's saying, guys, I'm saying stay in your lane. You know what God has called you to do. 
run your race. Run your race. When you run your race, we all win. We all win. And I love that. Why? Because here's the thing. We need to run our race. We need to stay in our lane. Let me give you a second point to this. Surround yourself with others that are gifted in things that you're not. Well, well, I should be able to do that. I could do that. Surround yourself. Hey, I'm going to be friends with somebody. I'm not really gifted in this. And so you are. I'm going to hang out with you. I'm still running my lane. I know my calling. I know what I'm supposed to do. Listen, when, when God called me to be a pastor, the one thing I knew is I said, man, I have to learn to play the guitar, right? Because I might have to lead worship, okay? So I tried real hard to learn to play the guitar, and I could play some chords. I could, I could do it. I could lead you in worship. It's not my gifting, okay? So for me to be stubborn and go, listen, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. This is my church. I'm going to do it. And bring you know? No, surround yourself, and then, and, then, and, then, and then Talia picks up guitar, and she's like, watch this, you know, I'm just like, I'm trying hard, my fingers are not moving, I'm like, you know, and she's just like this. I understand, that's a gift. I understand that's a gift. And the point is, guys, surround yourself, surround yourself with others who are gifted in the things that you're not. It's okay, it's not a weakness. It's just that everybody wins. That's what the angels are, the head and the foot. Well, why are you weeping? Look at verse 14. And when she said this, right, she turned around and she saw Jesus standing there and did not know it was Jesus. That's why I think she had ugly cry because she saw somebody, but she didn't know it was Jesus, right? So it's just makeup and mascara and snot and everything going all over the place. And then Jesus said to her, woman, you guys see that? Now, don't look at it as disrespect. That was just the common term. That's like, ma'am, ma'am. That's really how, like I already, ma'am. And it, that's how they would say woman, right? Woman, what does that have to, ma'am? And so it's, it's just a term of, ma'am, he says, why are you weeping? Don't you just love that? Why are you weeping? And he says, who, who, who are you seeking? She, Mary, supposing him to be the gardener, said to him, sir, if you have carried him away, listen, tell me where you have laid him and I will take him away. You know, what do you mean? Well, first, let's go back, okay? Two times they asked Mary why she was weeping, right? The angels, Mary, why are you weeping? And Jesus, why are you weeping? Let me just say this. Can I tell you why she was weeping? Because Mary needed Jesus. Mary needed Jesus. Her life was changed so radical when she met him, but now her Savior's gone. He's dead. Or so she thinks. Her weeping, guys, think about that. Her weeping is due to the fact that she wanted Jesus to be alive. You see, she was there at the cross when they nailed him. She saw him die. She saw saw Joseph of Arimathea take the body down in Nicodemus. She was there. She saw all of this. And now she comes early in the morning and she's like, where is he? I need him alive. Don't you understand? I need him alive. I need him alive. I need this. Mary, are you okay? No, I want Jesus. Can I get an amen? But here's what I thought. Sometimes God gives us what we need, not what we want. 
There are many times in our lives when we go, I want this, I want this, I want this. Mary wanted Jesus to be alive. She wanted him to be just the same as he was before, walking with him, serving him. But what she needed was something a whole lot more. She needed Jesus. Listen to me, this is going to apply to you. She needed Jesus to be resurrected so that he could live inside her. You catch that. And sometimes in your life, guys, you want something and God's going, no, I can't give you that because you're going to do far better off with what, I'm going to, what you need, not what you want. I mean, apply that to your whole life. I mean, apply, oh, God, please, why, 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 why? And he goes, no, I, I see your future and this is what I have. I'm going to give you something you need right now. I need resurrection power so I can handle the things that he gives me in the future. I think about this, guys. I'm going, listen, how awesome would it be if Jesus was here physically on the earth? Wouldn't that be awesome? Because you could go to him and say, Lord, help me. What school do I go to? Who do I marry? Who, 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 what do you have for me? Where should I? I mean, all of this stuff. But the problem is, is that if Jesus was here physically, guess what would happen? We couldn't get to him. Everybody would be in line wanting to see Jesus. So what Jesus does, he says, no, you know what's better? You know what's better? I'm going to resurrect in the same power that raised me from the dead is going to live inside you so that you're always with me. And you can ask me, and if you'll just hear my voice. Another thing I see that blows my mind, you go, what that? She asks Jesus where they laid him. Tell me, she's thinking he's a gardener. He says, tell me where he's, tell me where he's at, and I'll go get him. You go, what is, what's that thing? Think about this, guys. Think about this. She says, I will take him away. And this blows my mind. Why? Mary loved Jesus so much, she was willing to endure whatever it took to take him away. Okay? Now, in our culture, we find ways. But listen, listen, think about this. Do you know how much a lifeless body weighs? Let's just say alive, Jesus weighed 150 pounds. Let's alive. But a dead body weighs more, and she's going, I don't care what it takes. I'll get him. What are you thinking, Mary? I don't care. I'm not thinking. You understand my devotion and love to Jesus. I will do whatever it takes and I will, I'll get him. Mary, snap out of it. How are you going to, how are you going to move a 150 pound body that weighs more now dead? Mary's not thinking like that. Why? Because she loves him so much. And that blew my mind. I was like, Mary, what are you doing? What are you doing? It makes me think. What would I do out of my love for Jesus? What would I do? Is my love and devotion so much for Jesus that I go, man, I'm willing to do whatever it takes, even if it's hard. I thought, you know, what would I endure in this life simply because I love God? What would I do? Here's a young gal that was saved radically. She's willing to carry and drag and whatever it means Whatever, by whatever means, to, because she loves Jesus. And then I, I fast forward to 2019, and I look at my problems, and I go, oh, hmm. And I, and I want to be that, guys. I, I want to be that person, and I know you want to be that person, that no matter what it is, you love Jesus so much, you're willing to do it. You're willing to do it. Guys, it's crazy. 
I think about serving and what Jesus asks us to do and running in our own lanes and realizing, wow, what an honor and a privilege. I said in the first service, I said, you know what? Here's the thing. When it comes to serving and running in our own lanes and, and, and just loving Jesus so much, there's not a platform for those who clean the church. Okay, there's not applause for them. Amen, good job. I sit on a clean seat and it smells great. Nobody sees that, right? What do you see? You see the worship team and you see the pastor and everybody goes, oh, pastor, that was amazing. But the same person that cleans the church does security, preaches to the kids, is the same as this pastor. You, you realize that just because he's not on a platform or she's on a platform, it's the same way because you love Jesus. Why would you serve kids? Why would you serve in kids' ministry? Because you love Jesus. Why would you come? Why would you give money? You work hard for your money. Why would you give money to the church? Because you love Jesus and you know. Listen, if we can get the gospel out, man, that's what I want. And I know that God can do more with my what? My 90 than I can with 100. So I love you, Lord. Amen. But that's the point. Mary, there's nothing Mary wouldn't do. And I know she loved him. Why? Because when she sees who he is, she clings to him. Notice verse 16. Jesus said to her, Mary, she turned and said to him, Rabboni, which means, which is to say, teacher. And Jesus, I know he smiled. He looked at her and said, don't cling to me. He says, for I have not ascended to my father, but go to my brethren and say to them, I'm ascending to my father and your father and my God and your God. And Mary Magdalene came and told the disciples that she had seen the Lord and he had spoken her these things. Now, can I just say this to you? This is an awesome story. Why? Because she's crying and she's like, tell me where you've laid him. And he goes, Mary. And the first thing I wrote down here, guys, is Jesus called her by name. Because you're not a hey you. He says, Mary. And she recognized. Why does she recognize him? Why? Because, because the Bible says that the sheep hear the voice of the shepherd. I want to hear his voice. You know what my problem is? There's a lot of competition for his voice. I get so distracted. Anybody with me? And, and here's what I don't see in Scripture. I don't see Mary Magdalene on Facebook trying to tweet what's going on. And we can get distracted. Well, I'm not going to your church because you said I can't be on Facebook. No, here's what I'm saying. I'm saying, guys, don't let, don't let social media and don't let other things distract you from hearing the voice of God when he says, Melissa. Right? When he says, Nathalie. He says, Kevin, Feathers. Right? Don't. You, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. What we have to do, guys, is we have to tune out some of that stuff so we can hear Mary right away. Mary, yeah, Jesus. And what does she do? Right? She hangs on. I would too. Listen, you're alive. You're not going anywhere. I mean, so much so that Jesus has to say, "Don't hang on to me. I'm going to have to. Dis- I'm going to have to ascend." You know, right? And what would you say? Help me, church. Take me with you. Take me with you. Lord, take me. Please take me with you. Right? Reminds me of a story. When Talia was little, I could just shake my keys anywhere, and she'd come running out wherever she was. I'm going with you, Dad. Take me with you. 
no matter what, no matter what. Had two girls. One of them wanted to go with me. Didn't matter if I bought a surprise or not, she wanted to go. Why did you want to go anyway? I just don't understand that. But she wanted to go. My youngest daughter, bless her heart, she'd look at me and she'd go, are you going to buy me anything? And I'm like, no. She goes, I don't want to go. <laughs> two completely different, right? You guys with me on that, right? One daughter was like, boom, boom, take me with you. The other one was like, what are you going to buy me? Uh, nothing? Nah, I'm going back to my room. That's silly, but apply that to your life. How many of you love Jesus and say, I want to go with you no matter what? It doesn't matter what you give me, Lord. I just love you. Or are we serving Jesus because we go, Lord, what are you going to give me? I've got a list. These are some things I really want in my life. What do you, what do you think? You see, because... Because we get Jesus for Jesus, right? We get Jesus because we love him. Now, I don't say anything bad about my youngest daughter. She just was just a kid, but I thought, what a great way to apply that. So let's close. Let's close our Bible study. And I want you to see another proof positive of Jesus being alive here. Jesus writes, right? What does he do? Jesus writes this gospel, and what I want you to see, now, now don't, don't shut down on me, okay? The worship team's going to come up, but don't shut down on me. Here's why. I want you to see something very interesting. We need to respect the fact that the very first person that Jesus appears to is a woman. And you go, of course, pastor. No, no, no. It's the reason why. Listen to me. Listen to me. In this culture, a Jewish writer or no Jewish writer would ever put that much authority or responsibility to a woman. He just wouldn't. That's not what you do. Men were the head of the household, men, women, you know what I'm talking about. So for John to say the very first person that Jesus saw was a woman gave credibility to the fact that he's not lying. He would be, you understand, he would be persecuted for this. Because he'd be like, you can't say that. And yet John writes, Mary saw the risen Lord. Not Peter, not Caiaphas, not Pilate. Mary, whose devotion to Jesus was amazing. Amazing. Well, next week, guys, I want you to be here because we're going to talk about the disciples and someone you know as Doubting Thomas. But let us leave here today, guys, with that renewed resurrection power because you've seen the risen Lord. You go, Pastor, I haven't seen the risen Lord. Oh, not like Mary did but you see him in the lives of your brothers and your sisters. You see him. You see them who were once lost in darkness, but are now found. Let me give you three proof positives that Jesus is still alive. Number one, and give me an amen after this. The tomb was empty when they came to it. Amen? Amen. Number two, the disciples saw him many times after he rose from the dead. Amen? But here's the one that I want to apply, the third one. You realize, proof positive, the disciples were willing to die rather than deny Christ's resurrection. You see, if this thing was a farce, if this thing was phony, when it came to death, okay, I'm just kidding, don't kill me. It's not true. So-and-so stole the body. 
they were willing to be, they were willing to die because it was true. You need to deny Christ's resurrection. I can't do it. We're going to kill you if you don't. And you're going to have to kill me because I can't lie. It's true. He resurrected. I saw him. I hugged him. I loved him. I loved him. You guys with me? Can you feel it? Jesus lives in our hearts, in the hearts of his people. We're the new temple of the Lord. And there's only one thing we need to do. You go, what's that? Just shine. Wherever you are, just shine. Just shine. Why? Here's why. You ready? Because God's not dead. He's surely alive. Amen. Father, thank you for your word today. We love you. We shout and we sing this to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, this is Pastor Josh. I hope this message has encouraged you in your walk with Jesus. If it has, we would love to hear your story of how it has impacted you, or especially if you responded to the invitation to receive Jesus into your heart as your Lord and Savior. To get in touch or to receive more information, please contact us by phone at 806-799-2227 or send an email to calvarylubbock at hotmail.com. Again, that phone number is 806-799-2227. Also, if you want to partner with us financially to take the gospel to West Texas and the world, please click on the Donate button on calvarychapellubbock.org. Thanks for listening to the podcast. May God richly bless you.